Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to PhoenixConcussionRecovery.com podcast, along with Concussion Talk podcast. I'm here with Nick Mercer again. We're going to be doing a three-part series on chronic pain. Um, we want to also talk about our sponsor, so Head Check Health bridges gaps in concussion care through simple, powerful technology. Join organizations like the Canadian Football League, Trek Factory Racing, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, Eastern Washington University, and Volleyball Canada, who rely on HeadCheck to improve communication and optimize care. Visit HeadCheckHealth.com for more information. And again, welcome back to our three-part series. I apologize for the delay. We've been a little bit wrapped up in coronavirus recently, but uh, we'll be able to roll out a couple of these to you. And they'll be run just like an um, educational session for patients. So make sure you listen to them in order and you check back frequently. Thanks so much. Okay, so welcome back to part part two of our therapeutic neuroscience education or chronic pain lectures. So last time we talked about action potentials. So we talked about those resting firing rates of our nervous system and how it gets elevated and we get more information to our brain. We talked about those chemicals that make our nerve fire, whether it's immune, stress, temperature, movements. And then we talked about how to start to build awareness of what is sensation versus what is pain. So those were your body checks, your breathing techniques, and starting to go on those daily walks for 10 minutes a day, okay? Remember that we have more than 400 nerves in our whole body, and if we were to lay them end to end, we have more than 45 miles of nerves in our peripheral nervous system. There's 100 billion neurons in our brain, which is more than known particles in the universe. And 90% of all opioids used in the world are used in the United States of America. So this is a very big problem in the U.S., but people all over the world are going to experience chronic pain. The brain produces chemicals that are 800 times more powerful than the strongest opioid on the planet. So you have everything you need if you're able to implement chronic pain education properly. 
Um, we also want to talk about the fact that if you exercise at 50% of your maximum effort, so 50% of your VO2 max, for more than 10 minutes a day, that has analgesic effects or pain-killing effects. So just a 50% effort, 10 minutes a day, that will be enough to start to turn this system on. A six-mile run will stimulate the same amount of endorphins as 10 milligrams of morphine. So if you went out for a run for six miles, not an option right now if you've been in chronic pain for five years, but in the future, that's the same as getting a shot of 10 milligrams of morphine. So that whole runner's high idea is real, okay? Sore but safe. I'm moving in a new way, but it is okay. Motion is lotion, sore but safe. And hurt doesn't equal harm. Just because I feel the sensation of pain does not mean that I have tissue damage that is equal to that, okay? So my brain doesn't know the difference between these different chemicals. It doesn't know the difference between immune system responses, movement, increased blood flow, temperature, or stress. All of those send the same information up to my brain. My brain makes a decision based on what it knows. And if I perceive a threat, I'm going to tell myself that I feel pain. Okay. So what happens if I touch fire? So there's some really incredible biomechanical things that are happening in our body. If I touch a piece of fire, a danger signal better be sent up to my spine or I'm in real trouble, right? And I pull my hand off of the fire. That's, that's what should happen. I might get a little bit of a callus where I had a burn. I might feel pain there for five minutes, 20 minutes, maybe an hour if it was really bad. And then it should just evaporate from my brain and I should go on with my day. Maybe I rub my fingers together and I feel that little callus and ooh, I have that little memory of pain and I feel a little pain again and then I go on with my day. So that's a normal system. How does that happen? There are gatekeepers at your spine. So every time an information comes up to my spinal cord, there's a little gatekeeper sitting there and it decides if you've paid the toll and you get to go through up to the brain or it decides, sorry, not today, you're not welcome here and it doesn't let you through security, okay? So we have this little gatekeeper and that guy is very important. If information is crucial, we get to bypass the gatekeeper, we turn on those sirens and we head straight up to the brain, we pick our finger up off that fire. So there's that kind of a pathway. There's enough information beating down the gatekeeper that the gatekeeper lets the information go up to our brain. And then there's little things like my skin touching my shirt. I shouldn't feel my shirt. I shouldn't feel my pants all day long, right? Some of us even neurotically will check and make sure our pants are up at the right level or our fly is done up because we can't feel those things on a regular day. Our, our gatekeeper is doing their job. So if something's really bad, that information should blow by the gatekeeper, go up to our brain, we should do something about it. But 99% of all information should never reach our brain. So that's the job of the gatekeeper. My touch fire, I feel it, I pick my hand up, and then my brain sends down calming mechanisms and it tells everybody, it's okay, we handled it, everybody just go back about your duties, no big deal. So that's the gatekeeper. Now, how does my brain tell everything to calm back down? Great question. I'm glad you asked. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so we have what's called our brain faucet. So a brain has a faucet full of feel-good chemicals. Something bad happens, and then we deal with it, and then my brain turns that faucet on, and it calms my nervous system back down again. So these are those, those drugs that I keep talking about that are 800 times more powerful than any opioid on the planet. We just have to teach our brain to turn that faucet back on again. So a normal, properly working brain is called a wet brain. 
all day long, that little faucet's turned on, we've got a slow dribble, and most of our information is totally calmed. In the case of chronic pain, your brain wants all of this information. It doesn't trust you that you're doing a good job on your own, and so it wants all that information sent up, and so it actually turns the faucet off. So they call a pain, a brain that's in chronic pain, a dry brain. So you're no longer releasing these chemicals down. Can we turn that, that faucet back on again and make it a wet brain again? Absolutely. Research shows that we're able to turn back on that faucet again with education and safe movement, and we can start to calm our nervous system back down. You're going to do your new skills, your body scan, you're going to assess for real danger, and you're going to use your calming techniques. And just by doing those things, you can turn a dry brain back into a wet brain. A wet brain is why we don't feel that burn for four days. A wet brain is why I sprained my ankle and within two weeks I barely even remember which side of my body I sprained. It's because I have a wet brain. A dry brain feels all of that information all the time until our gatekeeper just gives up, leaves the booth, says, I'm out of here, I'm not hanging out anymore, and it lets all the information up to our brain. Okay, so... What's really interesting is that Adrian Lowe talks a lot about the fact that there's a lion in everybody's life. Now, if you have chronic pain, the lion in your life is actually your pain. You can't focus on anything else. You can't do anything else. You can't move safely because this lion is bearing down on you. But if you think about it in a greater context, the lion is whatever is considered to be the greatest threat. So we've all watched a sporting event where you saw the guy's ankle bone touch the ground and you grimaced in your seat and you said, oh, how could that, how could he survive through that injury, right? And then he gets up and he runs off and he keeps playing and he finishes the Super Bowl and they get their touchdown and everybody's celebrating. How is it possible that that person probably tore every ligament in their ankle, but they didn't even notice it? It's because the greater threat or the greater excitement was the game, was the game environment, especially if you're winning, right? A losing team is always going to need more treatment, is always going to need more time in the athletic training room than a winning team. You win the big game on Friday night and all of a sudden you turn around when I used to work in sports and the athletic training room is a ghost town. Everybody's out celebrating, doing whatever nonsense they're doing. We're on a losing team. It's Friday night. Everybody's in there. They need ice. They need this. They need that. They need their handheld, whatever, whatever it is, because they're feeling that pain because there's nothing more important going on. Take it one step further. Adrian Lowe talks a lot about you're walking across the street and you sprain your ankle. Oh, you're hobbling in the middle of the street, right? You're walking across the street. You sprain your ankle and a bus is coming towards you. Are you going to stand there and hobble in the middle of the street or is your brain going to take over and you're going to flee to the sidewalk and get to safety? You get to safety, you calm back down. Oh my goodness, what happened to my ankle? I can't even believe it. How did I hurt my ankle, right? So whatever is the more important threat, that's what your brain is going to pay attention to, okay? So for people in chronic pain, their pain is actually their lion. The pain is the thing keeping them from noticing anything else. Why, with, why do people with chronic pain feel foggy? their memory is worse, and they're more likely to be depressed. And if you are somebody who has been living with chronic pain, you're going to resonate with this. They'll come in, they'll say, I feel like I'm losing my mind. My memory is worse. I can't organize anything. I can't remember those exercises you gave me. I know you gave me a handout, but I put it down somewhere and I can't find it. Um, they're going to come in and they're going to have more anxiety, more depression, because they can't do all the things that they want to do, right? 
So we're going to do a little exercise and then we're going to talk about the pain meeting and why this happens to your brain. So I want all the listeners to close their eyes and I want them to think of their grandma. I want you to think about that person that's been so important in your life. Maybe you hated your grandma. So maybe it's your mom, your sister, your best friend. I want you to think about how they smelled. How did they walk? What did they look like? What were some of their quirks? I want you to think about that for a few seconds. Okay, so now I want you to open your eyes. And some of you could probably smell your grandma or whoever that person was. Maybe you were felt with a warm emotion. Maybe you were filled with happiness or joy or love. Maybe you could hear them or see what they looked like. What they did was a bunch of studies on that type of memory, that type of emotional memory. And then they did studies on people in chronic pain. And they found that the map on fMRI studies that you lay in the tube, it's an MRI, but with other types of activities so they can check the blood flow to different areas of your brain. And they found that the same nine areas of your brain light up in a pain map as they do when you're thinking about your grandma or having a memory map. So it's a very all-inclusive and all-encompassing experience that we have every time that we have pain, okay? So what are those nine areas? We have our premotor cortex that's organizing and preparing movements. People with chronic pain will have very weird movement patterns. They go to lift their arm and it's kind of jerky or not good quality. The cingulate cortex is area number two. That gives us our concentration and focus. So if there are 10 employees in a department and two of them are pulled to do a different job, you, are you expected to do 80% of the work in that department or is everybody gonna have to work harder to make up the difference, right? So when we're in this pain meeting, these nine areas of our brain that are supposed to be doing their normal job have lost some of their team members to the chronic pain meeting. So now my concentration and focus can either make up the difference and work harder, which will lead to fatigue, or the area will start to suffer. And so people in chronic pain, especially things like fibromyalgia, people with head injuries, they're going to tell you that they can't focus or concentrate. Prefrontal cortex is area number three. That's my problem solving in my memory. So as a therapist, before I understood more about chronic pain, how infuriating is it? I gave you these six exercises. I told you what you need to do. And you come back every week and you've done nothing, right? Or you tell me you did your homework every day. And then I have you do your shoulder exercises and your form is completely wrong. Oh my goodness. What am I going to do with you? Well, now I need to educate myself and take a step back and meet you where you're at. Maybe the reason why you're not doing your exercises properly is because you can't remember all the little things I told you to do, or you can't focus long enough to do the 20 reps properly. We get to our amygdala. That's fear, fear conditioning and addiction. So now we're talking about all these opioids used in the United States. That addiction area of our brain is not working properly. And also that fear is a primary driver for chronic pain. And the area of our brain is involved when we have our pain map. When we look at our sensory cortex, that's sensory discrimination. So people in chronic pain will actually not be able to tell the difference between different areas of their body. It's called two-point discrimination. So there's a map of how far apart I have to touch based on the part of your body for your brain to know that those are two different areas. And what we've known for a long time is people in chronic pain will actually have a spreading and they won't be able to differentiate. So if I get touched on my elbow, I feel pain in my wrist because my brain can't tell the difference. 
When we look at our hypothalamus and our thalamus, that's our stress responses, our autonomic nervous system, our heart rate, our blood pressure, our stress response, our motivation areas are impacted. In our cerebellum, we have that coordination of movement and cognition. Our hippocampus is, again, our memory, spatial recognition, and fear conditioning. I don't know where I am in space. I can't remember how to do my exercises. I don't know how exactly you expect me to be successful therapist, right? And so we have to meet these people where they're at. And your therapist, if you are the patient, has to understand that they can't give you eight exercises a day because your mind is blown by that. They need to give you two exercises. Pick the two that are the most important for that patient. Have them start there. As they start to adjourn their pain meeting, you can start to give them three, four, six exercises. And then the spinal cord. So that's the gating from the periphery. We talked about our gatekeeper. So we have our 10 employees that were needed to do the job. The manager took two of those employees to the pain meeting. The eight remaining have to do the job of 10 and they're going to have failures. And that's exactly what happens in chronic pain. These nine areas of our brain are firing and they're going to fail at their normal job because they're so busy feeling your pain every day. All you have to do is start to move in a safe way, start to do your daily exercise. 50% effort for more than 10 minutes releases that pain relief effect or that analgesic effect. And you're gonna do your body scans and start to identify misinformation versus pain. And your nervous system will calm down the pain meeting will start to adjourn. Now you have nine employees in each area, and eventually you have 10 employees in each area. Your memory improves, your cognition improves, motor planning, all these things will improve because your brain isn't distracted by something else. So, Nick, any questions about part two? Jeez, uh, no, I guess my, I don't have any question, but I did um, the pain meeting. I think those are great. That kind of I'm not I don't have pain necessarily, or any. I can't really feel any pain at all ever. Not at all. But like, safe, good good band. Like if it's hot, something's hot. You know, if it's attacking my attacking my foot. You know, like as you said earlier, or in the first episode. But um, I like the the idea that the, the pain meeting is in if you take somebody out because that's kind of understand my movements and my balance better because. No, no, it's not pain, but it's just that there's the this the the motor my motor my sensory motor cortex not sensory motor it's my motor planning and my and uh it's just it's just it, for my balance is it's obviously just from the last work with and that's why yeah, I do get fatigued and I do get tired so much easier so so much easier than I used to and I do fall go to sleep earlier at night because not necessarily but anyway, um yeah because I'm because I have been, my brain's working exactly hard to maintain right. my balance and all stuff. So, and you know, a lot. lot of our listeners are going to have the effects of their head injury as yeah. well as their chronic pain, which means these impacts are going to be so much worse. Because if you yeah. had a brain bleed, or if you had a decreased firing rate already of your motor cortex, or if you already had vision problems and your brain is working in overtime, and you have a neck injury on top of that, now you've got that brain fatigue of making up for your vision deficit or your balance deficit, plus you have these nine areas of your brain in the pain meeting. So people with head injuries are gonna feel the effects of this so much worse because they've got their head injury on one hand that they're dealing with, and then they've got their chronic pain on the other hand, and they're right. just feeding off of each other and making each other worse. And then what's also interesting is there's more than just a pain map. So we talk a lot about the pain map because that, I feel like that has a big impact on people. I feel like they really can understand a lot of their other symptoms when you start talking about the pain map. 
But we also have a beliefs map, which makes many areas of our brain fire. And that's the difference between a person who says, this injury is no big deal. I've done this before. I'm going to be fine. And a person who says, this has happened before and it was horrible. And it's going to be horrible again this time. So we have, a, we have a beliefs map. We have a knowledge map. So they actually found that higher educated people have a lower correlation with chronic pain. That you're stupid if you have chronic pain. It just means that there seems to be some sort of educational layer, which makes sense because knowledge is power. And then we have our social construct map. So if I have this injury, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my house if I lose my job. Maybe I'm going to lose my starting position on the team if they think I'm not healthy enough to play. And so it's, it's the pain map to me is the big game changer, but there's so much more to it than that. And then for our listeners, we've got the extra layers of, I've got my head injury where my brain already doesn't function at the same level. And I've got my chronic pain on top of that trying to take me down. But we can fix most of these issues, which is what's really great. Great. Well, thank you so much, Lauren. Thanks. So um, you guys can find us on phoenixconcussionrecovery.com or Nick's website is concussiontalk.com. All of our podcasts are up there with his and all the other ones that he does. You can find me on Twitter at at LZ Concussion. Um, and then you can find us on Instagram through Nick because he's better than me. So um, Concussion Talk on Instagram. Better, better, better at Instagram. Better at Instagram. Not better. <laughs> Thank you for that <laughs> defining uh, that clarification, Nick. So um, listen in for part three. If for some reason you missed part one, go back and listen to part one. That was our setup and the, and the basic information. And then we're going to head into part three next. So thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you all for listening. And part three comes out on June 8th, 2020. Or you can just subscribe to Concussion Talk Podcast for all episodes of Concussion Talk Podcast and Phoenix Concussion Recovery Podcast. Thank you again for listening. As always, music at the beginning of this episode is by Ben Sound www.bensound.com Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50-80% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com.
the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.